Yo, what is happening? It's your boy Roy, and it's another episode of Sync Gems. Today, we have Dave Walker. Um, Dave is a really amazing, well-versed producer. He has a really cool story um, because he kind of slid into the sync space and really smoothly, which is really uh, amazing to see and hear. And also, there's a lot of takeaways from the way that he did it. When you look at his portfolio, when you look at what he does, the campaigns that he's gotten and the placements that he's gotten, you will be able to hear that the dude is just on another level talking uh, um, uh, when we're talking about sync and just his ability to make music so great for like edit points and every image that his music is on looks phenomenal so we kind of get into his story but we also uh, get into a little bit of how he has made it for himself. He has made the transition from uh, teaching uh, full-time to music full-time, which happened pretty, pretty abruptly, but then he was doing it in, in a consistent way enough to which royalties started coming in quickly enough, and now he's just living off it, which is crazy because it's four years later, this interview is dope. We talk about so many things that are useful and he gives actually applicable advice for you to start doing. And actually, I've done something that he advised on the podcast today. So make sure to listen until the end. And if you like the podcast, make sure to give it a rating on the platform that you're listening to it on. On Spotify, you can do it via your your phone and on Apple too, you can give it a review as well. And that really helps because it just keeps people updated. People who want to know more about the podcast, it really helps them know through people who are listening. And this means the world to me because I look at them and this gives me motivation to keep on doing what I'm doing and to keep bringing on, to keep bringing on great guests. So without further ado, my man, Dave Walker. David, John. Uh, so, okay, so this is a funny thing. Yeah, right. Do, let's get into it. So, David John Walker, when you sign up to a PRO, um, so in the UK, PRS is my performing rights organization. Yeah. You stick in your full name. The first piece of music, I, uh, production music I did, um, you're asked for what's your, what's your PRS name. Okay, David John Walker. That's my full name. Nobody calls me David John Walker. But now... Within production music, I am forever known as David John Walker because that is my PRS name. So it's, it's yeah. very interesting. I'm, I'm 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 Dave, but David John Walker is kind of I've just rolled with that to just to be kind of a little bit unique and kind of um, in terms of my name and because uh, David John Walker is a very English name, right? So <laughs> so so anything anything I can do just to kind of um, have my name slightly different, you know, use my full name uh, helps, I think. Yeah, David John Walker. So it's it's a it's a name. I feel like it's two very um, 
very dis- very very um common names but yeah. when they're put together for some reason i maybe you hear it a lot as in like names that uh, uh you have but as in a producer or an artist i've never heard that so it's it's interesting um, yeah so i i produ- as an artist i produce under imperial and yeah. then um for my yeah uh, production music david john walker so it is what it is but like yeah like you say put put two common names together it's a it's a bit different it stands out a bit more so mm. we'll get we'll get into I'm that um as as uh the conversation goes because i'm also having a, a little bit of a debate about that but um man look i i just uh i listened to your stuff um a few weeks ago and i also listened to it now to refresh myself and it's the drums are so distinct like there's something uh, about your sound that just sounds so good for tv and film and uh, uh everything that is in your reel is so freaking tight it's like oh my god for me it's like it's almost like wow i want my music to be like that kind of thing um which i don't i don't say it to everyone like i've ne- i don't think i've ever said it on the podcast but it's like Uh, um when I heard your music to film it's just so good it's so uh clean and so uh um so mature I think mature is the word um and I want to know how this maturity came about so I feel like also this is what the 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 conversation would be about probably maturity and music I, I just off the cu- off the cuff it just it's just what comes up um but David John Walker tell me everything from the beginning where did music start for you um tell me about all your all your uh, um shifts and all your what led to what you are doing right now because there's a lot to talk about and unpack so Let's just start from there. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, well, firstly, thanks for the compliments. Um, yeah, that's, that's awesome to hear that the music's kind of resonating and you're like, yeah, producer to producer, you're, you're picking up on those um, kind of uh, production styles. And, 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 and to an extent, you kind of, I think with, with music production, you, you, a lot of it is, um, uh, what's the word? You, it's kind of in, intuition, you know, it's, it's intuitive the way you produce, you produce, um, uh, you're, you've got a background of influences none of us create anything in a vacuum. Um, and, uh, I, I suppose I kind of pour all of that, um, almost unconsciously, subconsciously into my, um, into my music. So no, thank you. I appreciate, appreciate the, uh, the compliments. I was, um, uh, I like many kids started off I had um piano lessons um went onto the keyboard and then my parents found a teacher who um who was also a composer and he this is back in the 90s he um hooked up Cubase onto our computer at home and he was showing me how to record MIDI how to uh get music from keyboard into the computer and my my, my kind of love for for production grew from there and that was pro- I was probably I don't know 9 10 11 or so um and uh yeah I mean the short story is through many kind of um 
twists and turns and kind of different different teachers along the way that was my thing like I, I went more down the production route than the kind of classically trained um, musical route I did I did theory I played um, cornet um, and was up at kind of grade six level um, so so okay as a kid but um, production was what grabbed me and then I, I got into hip-hop and uh, hearing uh, yeah hearing DJ scratching and um, sampling and just kind of trying to figure out how how are producers um, making making these beats so I was I was I gravitated towards hip-hop groups that had had a DJ producer in so um, groups like uh, De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest, Q-Tip you know um, Jurassic Five, Newmark, Cut Chemist, uh, then then instrumental um, producers, Turntablist, DJ Shadow, um, and my kind of my teenage years were a lot of them spent figuring out how, like this is kind of pre YouTube, right? I'm that old. Figuring out how um, uh, how how hip hop producers are are making beats, like where are they finding their samples from? Um, how are they chopping their samples? What equipment are they using? Um, how does it kind of like sound so kind of raw and powerful, but like unpolished and kind of um, there's there's an aesthetic there that that really kind of drew me in. Um, I went off to do music technology at university. Um, that that almost killed my love for music production. We ended up doing a whole load of kind of academic um, music, which which for me I just wanted to to go and learn how to how to make good good music and how to produce records uh but we ended up doing a whole load of kind of um uh it was like music concrete stuff um and acousmatic music which i didn't really get on with um after university so music concrete is like uh early sampling so i probably should have loved it but early sampling uh, there's a guy called um pierre schaefer who um i think it's back in the back in the 40s maybe 50s um was experimenting experimenting with uh, tape technology and recording a lot of it is like industrial sounds recording industrial sounds and looping them with um early reel to reel you know mono reel to reel uh machines um and the beatles had a lot of their influence on their kind of tape looping from from this guy anyway like we 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 went right back to the roots i mean it's it, it's kind of interesting from an academic exercise but in terms of like making making hip-hop records making pop records making dance records whatever it might be it just seemed like when you're 18 19 20 it just seems so far removed um uh anyway i i got a teach training degree um went on to teach music technology at a level i'm based in cambridge and taught that for uh, 11 years um, and then 2019, I left um, left teaching to pursue full time freelance production music. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's been four coming up to five years um, that I've been been full time full time music working in production music. So that's that's kind of that's kind of it, it in a nutshell. Yeah. So um, how did how did basically how did uh, production music start for you? Did it start in two thousand nineteen, or did you how did you discover about it, and how did it um, come to be what it is right now for you, which is the bread and butter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I 
um, around 2013, 2014, I was, I was producing a bunch of remixes and throwing them up online. So I'd take an acapella off a um, hip hop record and uh, remake a beat, maybe add some cuts over the top, scratching. And um, I'd throw it up on SoundCloud. I'd send it to the artist. They'd post it on Facebook or, or whatever. Um, and that doing those remixes, I was picked up um, by a label in the States called Elect. Uh, and they, they asked me to do some remixes of some of their catalogue. That ended up to me being um, signed with them and putting music out. So I put music out under the, the alias uh, Imperial. And um, Elect have been kind of moving in a, in a sync um, space for a while. And they, they were pitching um, the, some of the artist releases um, via sync agencies for, um, for placements. And I think, uh, I can't remember what the first placement was, but we had, we had a bunch of kind of placements, um, me and my collaborator, Kinetic, he's an MC, um, over here in, in the UK. And we had some placements with Hennessy, Jansport, uh, McDonald's, and that kind of just opened my eyes up to like, to the idea of music being synced to to picture um and then one day i just i had an email um come in via my via my website from emi um and they were asking me if i'd be interested in doing some remixes of their radio catalog um and it kind of just went from there really so I, I grabbed that opportunity and then the next thing was um me and uh, kinetic were working on a an album for emi where we um uh, we had kind of carte blanche of their green sleeve KPM library. They said, look, we've digitized pretty much the whole library. You can sample whatever you want out of this legendary um, production music library. Um, grab what you want. Like as long as it's not been like sampled to death already, you can, you can use whatever, whatever you want. So we, we produced an album. We got a few um, uh, guest verses in and, um, I th- I think it was it was off the back of that album in particular that my my name I suppose just became a bit more known within the kind of production music space. Um I started working with a company out in LA, Shutdown Music, and um yeah, it it just kind of it it, it grew from there and then I think I think is yeah, as you you do the best you can, you put you put out your music, you you hope it you hope publishers um take it and pick it up and and i suppose in a, in a sense like good work just brings more more good work um just trying to stay kind of consistent uh on time be easy to work with um and it's just yeah it's just kind of grown from there really hmm. it's interesting that you say um because uh a good friend and a collaborator um, that's also from the UK, Jamie Shield, he was also speaking about um, being easy to work with. Um, and I'm interested because, of course, like working with a bigger label and working with, uh, I mean, off the bat with people who are pretty well versed, uh, waiting game is a big thing. Mm. So how how... Um, how do you stay easy to work with when there are so many people who you have to wait for? 
Um, and do you resonate so, with a question? Because you don't have to resonate with it. It's just like so. So wait for, as in maybe collaborators that I'm waiting for. Collaborators, or, um, collaborators, labels. Uh, you know, replies, just replies. Yeah. I I've, I've to be honest, I've been in a fortunate position that um, there's mainly there's possibly only one or two collaborators way 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 back that were kind of tricky to work with and I, I suppose I've just learned that when working with other people trying to give um people as much um information as possible that's going to be helpful for the collaboration so um really briefing out the song in terms of um wh- what you're after what the publisher is after um keywords um and um setting expectations in terms of deadlines setting expectations in terms of what upfront pay is going to be the royalty split like the like uh, as much transparency as possible that's going to be helpful um for the collaboration to both show that kind of you're serious about this the publisher's serious about this um there's potential for this to generate um residual income that's going to come in further down the line um so i think i think expectations is is really key on the publisher side i i've been really fortunate that i haven't i i really haven't had to work in a way that i am sending out speculative emails to publishers um and waiting to waiting to hear back um the probably almost exclusively the stuff i've been doing has been briefed out to me um, so there's always been a kind of a, pro- a process of um, first initial demo deadline and um, final deliveries deadlines and um, there's yeah I, I haven't I haven't really been in a situation where I've been waiting from that point of view I've I've been fortunate to have some great great relationships um, within the publishing sphere yeah so from EMI did it did it just like did collaboration just roll from there or how did it go for you so it kind of I suppose at the time I was like, "Oh, this could, this could, this could blow up." Um, you know, this this is a, um, um, yeah, this is a this is a major um, production music label. Um, this could really go go somewhere. You know, you know, you kind of start dreaming. You're like, "Oh, maybe I'll be quitting my day job next week." You know, <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. Um, it was a bit of a slow burn for uh, for a year or two. Um, <clears throat> the odd tr- kind of track here and there. Um, that I did with EMI, and um, I got picked up by um, Shutdown Music, who were um, producing um, albums for Universal in the States, for Warner, um, for Red Bull, uh, and um, I did a yeah, 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 um, and I did a whole load of work um, with them, and it was a very, very kind of um, well thought out operation in terms of collab. I, I didn't have to find collaborators. The um, uh, the guy Ty who was uh, running the the agency he would he would hook up a producer with a collaborator um, and uh, I, I would make a beat that would then get sent to an MC. He would record vocals that would come back to me. I'd either mix it or there'd be somebody else mixing the vocals, sending them back to me. So the the kind of the production chain was was fairly 
fairly fast. Um, and that just allowed me to get a whole load of um, music out into the production music sphere quite quickly, which then developed other other relationships. So um, I've also, uh, there's, there's a guy who I used to skate with years ago um, when we were teenagers who um, I got back in contact with. He, uh, at the time, was working with Universal. He was a producer with Universal um, over here. Uh, down in London um, and uh, we met up I started doing some work with him and then I've started doing some work with um, the other the other producers um, at Universal so I've I've had a whole load of work through them I've been working with uh, a company called Molecular Sound over here License Lab out in the States uh, West One over here um, and and I I, I, I don't like, I, I don't know how it happens. I guess people, I, I guess producers of um, publishers are, are looking for, um, looking for new music or they have something back in their catalog that maybe I've done. They say, Oh, like this guy produced this. He, he, he'd be good, a good fit for this next project we're working on. Um, yeah. So I've, I've, I've been quite, quite fortunate in terms of those relationships and how, how they've grown. Um, I I haven't I haven't necessarily kind of cold emailed or anything like that. Um, they've just they've just kind of grown organically, um, which which I'm super thankful for because I I'm not somebody like I'm quite kind of introverted. Um, so the, the kind of the idea of going out and pitching myself and selling myself and and all the rest of it um, just kind of it, it might be a bit awkward for me to do it. Um, so yeah, so I've been super grateful for those kind of opportunities that have that have just come almost seemingly out of nowhere to an extent. Um, yeah. So, what do you think it was going back to having uh, something like something a print in your music? What do you think it was about you that? Uh, um, that made you be approached by these uh, labels? Because again, like I, let's say, let's take my personal story. I've been in sync for a few years, but fully in it for like three years, fully invested in it, not full time. Only this past year, I've been coming f- full time, but only now in the last, let's say six months, I've started working with the big boys, with the, with the, with the bigger, bigger labels that you basically were approached by, but what do you think is, what do you think made you um, so different from all the thousands of producers they listen to uh, a month? I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think initially one of the things I've got a friend over in the States who, um, uh, he he's in the kind of the promotion world um, and he always bangs on about like artists, get a website, get a website, get a website. Like you can't rely on social media. Who knows like what's going to happen to Twitter? Like we all saw what happened to Twitter recently, right? Who who knows what's going to happen to Instagram? Who knows what's going to happen to TikTok? Like get a website. Um, and that was my initial contact with EMI. It was through my website. Um, and it was, it, it, it just kind of happened that at the time, and I think this, this might still be the case, but at the time, um, if you were to Google UK hip hop producer, I would be within the first five hits on Google. 
And I think that was that was through my artist releases, that was through kind of various bits of SEO, nothing that I'd really worked on, but um, the label elect that I was putting out uh, music through, um, I, I think it would often be um, Imperial, UK hip-hop producer. So they're over in the States, so it kind of like it makes sense to say, okay, he's a UK hip-hop producer, there's something a bit... Um, uh, a bit different for a state's um, audience. Um, and I, I think that kind of just generated a whole load of SEO when when I was my music was being posted on, this is back in the, like, the blog days, um, being posted on blogs. Um, that created SEO kickbacks to my website, which then kind of boosted my um, uh, rankings within Google. It, it, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a happy accident um, in that sense from um from the get-go and then i i I guess you do you do work with with somebody you you work well you you hit the brief um you're personable you're easy to work with you hit deadlines um and when you've when you've done that once with a new publisher then um then the, the relationship can can grow from there really you've started off on a good a good foot so i think i guess there's a there's an element of kind of um humility like not coming in with a big ego you're you're there to serve the brief you're there to um serve the end result like the picture your music is is for another purpose you are um this is it's not necessarily me that there's an element that i can express myself as a producer like that's going to come out kind of naturally but also can i make music that serves another purpose as opposed to it just being just being kind of like a an artist output where it's you know this is me this is well this is this is what i do if you don't like it like leave it this there's a there's a kind of actually no we're we're working together as a team to make a product that is going to that is then going to serve a bigger kind of artistic um purpose uh, an emotional purpose um within uh being synced to picture and i think i think it's kind of having that end goal um in view is gonna gonna help you um yeah help as you approach production music to think okay well what is what is the end goal of this what is what is the purpose of this piece of music um yeah, I almost like get myself out of the way and just hit the brief and and, and work hard. Yeah, it 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 um it sounds a bit like huh, it's uh so what you're you're uh talking to is kind of moving out of your own way in one way, moving one uh, moving out of your own way but also being nobody. So like it's so interesting because I'm watching um, I'm watching Game of Thrones right now. Okay, like I, I, don't don't uh, don't 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 kill me for it, but I've just started watching Game of Thrones and I've I've been binging it. Um, and there is uh, a girl there uh, that is part of the. Everybody thinks she's dead basically, and she goes to this monastery. And the whole uh, the the whole purpose of her being there is becoming nobody is is being no one, and it's so interesting. Like because uh, um, 
her story is so uh, like the way that she approaches it. Is she's like, no, I'm 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 Arya Stark, you know, like what the fuck? But then he's like, no, you're nobody, uh, and you need to you need to understand. You need you need to get back to being nobody, basically. And it's not it's not what he it's not what they're saying exactly, but that's the purpose of it to understand that in the end of the day, uh, we are a part of something of a uh, for that case it was maybe like a destiny or like you know uh, um uh, being a good assassin or whatever you have to be nobody um and i think it's also right about like music assassins right like it's there's there are the people who are in the front of it who are uh presenting it like the ariana grandes and the these people who are who are the presenters of the music who are really good at it um and are there for a reason. And there are the people who need to stay uh, uh, faceless. And that's okay too, as long, of course, as you get yeah. what whatever you, uh, uh, all the credits and the, the back end from it, which is also awesome because you don't get harassed in the street, but that's a different yeah. matter. But what I'm yeah. saying is uh, uh, it's a long-winded rant, but I'm just saying that a lot of the times I feel like that artist element comes out and wants to be somebody like I want to be someone I want to do this. And that's what um, that's what I feel like detachment. A lot of the people have in the world right now is like they think that people cannot do life without them. And I'm going like it's a, it goes a bit deeper, but but people think that without their solution, other people cannot go without them. So they say, do this diet or or do do music like this or do uh, um, uh, uh, I will coach you to be confident like this. And, and there's all there's all these cookie cutter uh, methods where I feel like the most peace comes from the approach that you are presenting which is just be stop stop trying to 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 stop trying to to compete and understand your lane and go there and that's what i feel like you're speaking to even though you're not uh, uh you're very humble about it you know uh, i feel like that's what you did best you were kind of not you were you moved out of your own way you let yourself do your thing and then the magic was kind of the way was kind of paved for you. Do you feel? Do you resonate with that? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think there's a um, the the one thing I've kind of yeah ref- reflected on to an extent um, is that when you move from being an artist to producing production music, there is a there is a, a shift in mindset. Um, and some people, some people can run with that. And some, some people find that, that a struggle, um, because you are not gonna, um, production music, you aren't, it's not about kind of getting yourself out of there as an artist, you are producing music to serve a purpose, um, to an extent, like there's, there's a sort of functionality about it. Um, so the way you produce isn't so um open ended as it could be as an artist where you can uh 
go off in many different kind of musical directions and you can like have huge kind of switch ups within a song which completely change the emotion and they're quite jarring but that's what you want the listener to feel right and maybe that's what you're experiencing at the at the moment your kind of emotions are all over the place so you've got this kind of um creative output that re- reflects you that is going to be um absorbed by the listener uh but within the production music sphere there are certain conventions there's certain um uh, production techniques, sting endings, edit points, getting quickly into the track, you're not having long intros, maybe, you know, four bars and then you're into the chorus or straight into the verse, whatever it might be. So there's kind of conventions that don't allow um, uh, for the creativity that an artist might want to to work with. Um, so I think there's a, there's a kind of a mind shift that... Um, that that needs to that needs to happen as you move from one one kind of space into the other and if you're in both spaces i've got kind of a a, a foot in both spaces at the moment and it can, you know it can be quite confusing you can you can start producing i can start producing my artist output um with a kind of production music hat on and think oh this needs to have a sting sting ending or whatever but it doesn't need to have a sting ending if i'm producing it as as my kind of imperial alias um so I think, yeah, I, I think it recognizing that you are, that is, this is not about you. This is not about your um, uh, expressing yourself purely as an artist, but you are, you're trying to connect an emotion and trying to drive that emotion all the way through a track so that it's going to be syncable. And it's almost like I, I think, okay, I haven't seen the final piece of art yet. I'm like part of the process. The final piece of art is going to be when this piece of music gets synced to picture. And that's where the emotion's going to be. That's where the connection for the audience is going to be. So I'm, it doesn't stop with me bouncing out stems and cut downs and all the rest of it. It, it, it's, it's the end product of when um, the music gets synced to picture and then somebody consumes that and watches it. Um, and without that music, that picture isn't going to be as powerful because music is going to tell, tell the, um, the, the consumer who's sat in their living room or in the cinema, the music is going to tell them what they should feel. And I think that that's where the kind of the power of the art comes in and that's kind of unknown in production music because you don't know where it's going to end up you don't know where it's going to get placed but but you're you're further back in the process so okay let me let me let me take it back a little bit so when you write music nowadays do you put it to image like what's your what's your process of course i i would assume there's like a in in uh some sort of um like a reference or something like that, but is there is there uh, do you actually put it? How do you test it to know that it works? Yeah, so I'll often just like pull up YouTube and I have um, NBA footage running in the background, or like I love GoPro. Like GoPro put out some amazing like 4K footage. It's like really quick edits. Um, so um, like really punchy drums. Um, quick edits, drum fills, edit points, dropouts, um, maybe like 
808 slides, whatever, whatever it might be, stuff that's going to um, just like pick up on little moments. Now, I'm not necessarily working it to that video at all um, in terms of when those moments happen, but I've just got it in the background as kind of like, okay, this track actually needs to be 4 BPM, 5 BPM faster because it's just feeling a bit slow for kind of sports edits. Um, uh, I think it's just kind of leaning into whatever emotion you're working with. Like if it's like hyped up energy or if it's, I've just done a, a couple of tracks, um, uh, which, are on an album called poignant pop, it's kind of, yeah, like sad boy, sad boy pop. It's like, can we lean into that, that energy and that emotion as much as we can and bring that out in production? So big reverbs, delays, sparse spaces, um, nothing's kind of too driving but it's you know it's kind of it's kind of laid back um so let let the emotion of the song like like really lean into that and really really push into that whatever whatever sphere that is um so i think i think those kind of two things have stuff i just have stuff running in the background does like does this fit with this whatever it might be premier league footage nba footage whatever it might be gopro uh, and also is the the emotion that this song needs am i am i really leaning into that emotion as much as i can um because that is going to have a biggest impact uh when when it gets synced later on you're going to be pulling out the main emotion that that comes through that song wow so yeah so you're basically making music to image like you're 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 writing the music and as you're writing, you have like something that you'd want it to fit on a monitor and you see if it has enough uh, emotion in it to fit it. I'm, I'm going to try this because I haven't been doing it like this. My, my method is a bit more tedious. And it takes more time. So I think like that is actually a great solution um, to kind of figure out uh, if, if, it's, if, if it's in the realm, if it's in the realm. Yeah. I think that's it exactly like is it is it in the ballpark of what where it needs to be um and i th- i think sometimes like like one of my kind of early reflections from production music is sometimes you can kind of kid yourself that it is when it when it really isn't um you kind of you you might stick some footage over the top of it and you think oh yeah that you know this could work in this situation this could work in that situation and there might be like a one off chance that it does work in a certain situation um but it's not necessarily the most kind of conventional way. Like, let's say you've got a quite a slow hip hop tune, like like that could work in a in a montage for um, so, uh, yeah, some some live sports. That the, the montage is kind of super slow mo and all the rest of it. Um, now, how many times does a a super slow mo montage happen in a sports show? It doesn't. It's not going to happen as much as like the fast-paced, quick edits. Um, so yeah, kind of leaning into the to, to an extent, leaning into the conventions that are already there um, within within the visual side of the industry and trying to maximize and, and work into those. Yeah. Wow. So okay, I'm I'm interested in another thing. So let's say someone wants to work with a with the bigger with the bigger boys that you're working with like the emi the universals the whatever um 
and and I'm I'm putting a little cliff like a little note on uh, on uh, us talking about how you kind of made it made it your full time because we all know that it doesn't take one day um, to make that happen. So uh, before we get into that, if somebody was let's say you were right now in uh, uh, the position where uh, right now it's 2024 and you have zero syncs, you want to get into the production music uh, area and you're not lucky uh, to, to get hit up by, by all these uh, big boys you, you got hit up by uh, in the beginning. What would be your what would be your starting point? Like, what would you start do, doing if you wanted to go head first into this world? Oh, that's a good question. What would you start with? Um, so there's two like there's there's a few different routes within sync music. Like there's there is the um, production music side. There's also the sync agency side, um, which would be if you were already releasing stuff as an artist, um, you sign up with a sync agency that would directly be in um, communication with music supervisors and try and place your um, tracks. You're going to get bigger fees for those placements, um, but they're not going to happen as often. Um, and um, there would be a third option. I get, there, there might be more than this, but um, there could be a third option, which would be you directly contacting music supervisors, developing relationships with music supervisors and feeding your music um, directly to them. So I suppose there's three, three, different, three different routes. Um, there is the royalty-free route as well, um, which I would probably avoid. Um, that would be my advice. And, um, the, yeah, so, so how you get into it, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I've never, I've unfortunately, or fortunately for me, I've never had to be, to be, to be in that position. I've been blessed with, um, the opportunities that have, that have come my way. Uh, I produce good music, like work on your craft, um, produce music that is gonna, um, work for as we've just been talking about kind of that emotional connection produce like show that you can produce music that is fit for purpose like that is going to be syncable um that has edit points in it that has um correct sting endings um and um like is really dynamic um is really punchy it doesn't just kind of uh stay it, it's, it's not just a loop with a few kind of variations here and there um it's really exciting and um and I guess I guess pitch it. Maybe you can you could pitch it to um, publishers, or you could start working with um, videographers yourself and see if your music works in kind of new content with um, guys that are just kind of getting on the on the ladder of um, filmmaking. You know, maybe doing shorts. Um, it might be that you've got somebody local um, there. Uh, a filmmaker and they're looking for some music and you can kind of build up your chops that way. Um, yeah, I guess uh, there's no, essentially there's no silver bullet. Um, like, like we were saying earlier, you know, 
follow this diet is going to change your life. Like there's no silver bullet, right? Um, and um, to an extent, some of it is just you'd for whatever reason you're in the right place at the right time and 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 things that's pop a big off. one that's um, a big one 100 percent. i feel like there's there are little things that um that i mean i feel like when when and i think that's the theme it's like moving out of your way when 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 you move out of your way which is is a very hard concept for me to grasp but it's still it's a thing that I'm working on consciously, especially, especially like doing things like meditation or things like that. It's just like all it's about in the end of the day is being able to move out of your own way. Right. When your mind is thinking, hmm. when your your uh, uh, your your inner voice is saying like crazy shit, like you, you can't do this. You're not worth that. And all that that kind of stuff that comes up. It's just um, which is like objectively not wrong in the end and not right in the end of the day because you you can do all these things um so i think i think just like all it's about is moving out of one's own one of one's way moving out of one's way because there are so many ways to go about this but um what you were you know, what what you were speaking to like agencies like the mixture of agencies um libraries and um agencies libraries and uh what were you speaking about supervisors um yeah how did you go about this in the first years so like 2019 you were mm. were you working with like mostly upfront fees and doing like the buyout thing like what was your what, what and i guess when i asked the first question what i wanted to know is what would your strategy be in order to 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 do it full time to be where you are today so yeah that's a good question i um i think kind of just just backtracking before that point something to add on the on the previous bit i think um your yeah holding things lightly is like is really important and it's you know i'm same for me i'm um so i'm i'm a christian i will pray about things um and i will try and hold things lightly like if it happens great if it doesn't it is not the end of the world um and that kind of having having that kind of grounding helps so things just don't eat you alive if you don't get opportunities or or certain things things don't pull off um and and then the the, the kind of the conversation that we're having about making that that kind of move and you know what what would you do to get out as a, out of a space from full-time work part-time work whatever it is into into music i think I think part of it is being ready. So when we were talking about like, you know, just getting your chops up and, and kind of, are you producing music that could, could be, um, synced? Like, are, are you, are you ready for the opportunities when they come as opposed to when the opportunities come, are you going to get ready for them? Um, and I think that's, that's kind of important to, to work on your craft. So you have, you already have something that is licensable. Um, and is is going to work and then um from that point on i was i was teaching um music technology a level so i was teaching music production so i was kind of i, I was in music production every day um and t- 
towards the end of my time teaching, I was teaching four days a week, um, maybe three and a half at one point. It kind of it kind of fluctuated. So that gave me just a little bit of time. I had a stable income, but it gave me a little bit of time to focus on music. And um, I I was working with Ty um, over at Shutdown Music, and we had a conversation on the phone. And he he said, "Look, um, I know what your kind of your situation is at the moment." I, 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 basically I can get you as much, um, work as, as you can handle. So how many tracks do you reckon you can do a year? Um, and it was at that point that I thought, okay, I've got an opportunity here. I can either stay in teaching and I will have to turn down this opportunity for production music. Um, or I can quit teaching and, and go for production music. And as it kind of naturally happened, as I was teaching, I was, the last kind of year or so, um, like I, I was beginning to lose the love of teaching, which is never good for me. It's not good for the students either. So it was like, you know, I, I came to a natural point where I needed a change anyway. Um, this opportunity came along and, um, yeah, we were, we were pumping out a whole load of tracks. I, I did somewhere near a hundred in the, the first year from 2019. Um, and, um, yeah, the, the 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 kind of the opportunities came came from there. So the, the then there's a, a long a long game. I'm working with upfront fees. Um, the royalties take a while to come in. I remember reading an article that was like heavily influential on me. It's by a guy called Dan Graham. Um, it's for uh, it was published in Sound on Sound magazine. He did this kind of four part um, uh, series that was all about production music. He he runs the label Gothic Storm, um, hugely successful label, particularly in the trailer sphere. And he was talking about his his experience going into production music. Um, and he was giving some figures. I can't remember exactly what they are, but um, s- something along the lines of uh, you should expect for one album, um, if it's getting licensed, to be picking up about five grand a year per album. Um, if it's in the right which place, wasn't necessarily assuming it's in the right yeah, place. That wasn't necessarily my experience yeah. <laughs> straight away. Um, but the that, that get, it was like okay, well, like it, to an extent, it's a numbers game. Um, you need quality, like it's quality numbers. It's not just numbers. The music has to be syncable. It needs to be quality. Um, but it isn't. It isn't the case that you can just produce one album and that's gonna that's gonna carry you through exactly um so i was living off um up front um for a while i've got a family a wife two kids my wife is a teacher um she was amazing so supportive um of this move um and um it helped she had a she had a stable income coming in so we knew what was coming in every month and then mine was kind of a bit more sporadic up and down um and it took I would say it took about three years, maybe three and a half years until, uh, for the royalties to really start kind of kicking in. Um, so they bought out your tracks and, and then like you've got, yeah, so, you got royalties from it. Yeah, so the deal in America is quite different to the UK. So in America, it's all buyouts. So the upfront um, tends to be a little bit higher, um, but you don't retain any mechanicals. And in the UK... Um, the upfront will be a little lower, but you will retain some of the mechanical. So you'll always get your PRS royalties, but any any placements where there's a mechanical payment in the UK, you will I will receive 
um 50 percent if it's just me if it's a couple of us yeah. you know 25 percent. but if it's yeah, um, but they don't like if you get a sync fee it's not you don't necessarily get it see anything from it not for the stuff that has been put out through yeah not the buyouts um the stuff in the uk that isn't buyout i will see it but that's all recoupable against the advance of the um upfront uh, so th- again, that takes a few years. It took a few years for the um, uh, for the advances to be paid off for the, on the mechanical side to start seeing um, income. So, so that basically, there's a there was a huge there was a huge lag. Like there was a three three to four year lag, um, and uh, I mean na- now, fortunately, I'm a I'm at the position that the the royalties are such that they are pretty much a salary. So. The, the royalties I could I could I could live off the royalties I'm still kind of so new in terms you know I don't have 10 years behind me um in this so I don't know what the kind of the fluctuations are um further down the line um uh but yeah I'm, I'm at the stage now that the stuff that I read in that article like six seven years ago it's like oh right okay now I can see. Now I can see. Shout um, outs to Dan Graham. Is, he's he's definitely going yeah, to come in yeah. on the podcast. I don't know when, but it's going to happen. Yeah, you should. Yeah, 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 you should get him. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, um, he's he's been mentioned here quite a few times and uh, uh, on this podcast and a few composers that work with him and then it's just like things. It feels like life is uh, uh, putting us closer to each other by the day. But you never, you just never know, as you said. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of let it happen and see what's, uh, uh, when, when is the is the question that I'm asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's amazing. That's amazing to hear um, that that this was your experience. I, I very much resonate with your story and uh, and uh, with the way that things are are going for you. I, I think that you're you're kind of like you're I want to say a big bro version to what I to, to to what I aspire to look like in a few years so that's a great uh thing to kind of uh, uh to to see that that you've actually come to the point where these numbers make sense because yeah sometimes I mean like you know uh, um what he was what he he speaks to his kind of uh whole, in his book, it's like the 52 cues kind of uh, um, uh, mentality, where like make 50 uh, cues a year, 52 cues a year, in about eight, uh, seven, eight years, you're gonna have a six-figure income if you if everything went right for you. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, like other people say uh, different things here. You know, like other other even label owners are saying, yeah, you know, like the the landscape's changing. And you're gonna need more than that, probably, like in uh, coming in the coming years. So, and you know, like with everything that's happening technologically, I mean, it's gonna be interesting to see, like, how do you stick out like a sore thumb? How do you um, go into labels that actually succeed? And 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 you know, like, there's the mm. the bigger label versus the smaller boutique label thing that is that that is also happening. Yeah. Like, how do you take make that yeah, decisions yeah, yeah. and stuff like that? Today, how does your workflow look like? Do you do you mainly do one style? Do you mainly work with one library? How how does your time get divided these days? 
Yeah, so I um, I also do some kind of mixing and mastering for artists. So I um, that's mainly through, through the label Elect um, in the States. So probably, I mean, that's like 10, 15% of my year is probably spent on that. And the bread and butter is production music. Um, and it... I work with so so briefs will come in and I will um plot deadlines and see um what I need to do by when and what that means for how many tracks I need to do each week um and uh when I'm getting collaborators on board who who am I going to collab with and um what deadlines are going to be helpful um for them that's going to give them enough time to work on uh tracks um and uh yeah so I've got I use Notion um, which is a like a time management app, so I just kind of plot everything out on there, um, and um, yeah, I th- I, th- I think my my time is my my time is yeah, it's probably eighty ninety percent um, production music, um, working predominantly with three or four publishers. Um, I do. The most of my work comes from Universal over here uh, in the UK, um, and that will be from a variety of different um, producers at Universal. So different um, different projects. So there'll be um, stuff that we do for certain sports events that are coming up. So we've just done a project for March Madness, um, and um, stuff will be. Uh, yeah when the world cup came i was working with three different publishers doing doing stuff for the world cup a few years ago um so sometimes it's yeah it's kind of looking forward to different sports events that are that are happening maybe olympics uh whatever it might be um some of it is like okay these these styles are like huge within the industry at the moment let's we need some albums like this so let's work on some some songs um uh for these different styles um some of it will be um doing christmas trap tracks in like july um getting ready well not even that so last year it was um christmas trap in about february so it was all right i could still remember christmas at that point and um yeah so so it's kind of uh production music the 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 calendar that that i'm working with is sometimes dictated by stuff that's events that are coming up um within the the global calendar or the sporting calendar um and sometimes it's styles that are that are working well sometimes it's just like these tracks um um i'm doing some stuff for um beacon who um beacon, beacon, beacon music Light? they are yeah. uh they're called, they're called beacon music they're connected to banerjee banerjee have their own tv network um so yeah i've been working with them them a bunch the last couple of years and um yeah, that's it's uh, hip hop trap stuff that just works really well in reality TV and sports programming. Um, so some of it is like, okay, we need more of the same. These tracks are really working well. Let's get more of them. Some of it is we've got these events coming up. Let's roll with them and pitch um, towards these sporting events coming up. And some of them are here are the big styles that are, that are working well within the kind of pop music yeah. industry. Um, Let's have some of that. So okay, we we uh, I try to keep the interviews at at an hour. I wanted to know, like, is there any last 
like piece of advice. We there's so much in this interview. I feel like for people to kind of dissect, and you also you you were generous to give so many names. So the the labels you mentioned are are gonna be bombarded even more than they are probably now. But um, <laughs> no, nah, but but for real, I'm I'm super grateful for for you being so open and and talking uh, um like that because I think that. A lot of people who listen are gonna take uh, are gonna take so much from this and and a lot of just um, I feel like they're they're gonna take the the feeling like they can do this um, and so I wanted to know if there's any like last piece of advice you'd like to leave people with I think I think just work on your music hold it lightly um put your music out there put yourself out there and um yeah tr- try try and serve the greater purpose like that that end goal of the music being synced you don't know where it's going to be synced but that is that is almost almost the piece of art that you're that you're mm. aiming towards um so try and serve that purpose um yeah research see what works good work on production work on your music and see what happens enjoy the ride hey enjoy the ride um thank you so much for coming on my friend thanks for having me man it's been a pleasure and yo thanks for listening to sync jams again If y'all want to support this podcast, go ahead, follow the podcast, which is a huge thing. It also lets you know when episodes are coming out. Share the podcast on your socials, share the posts on socials, and let me know what you think about the podcast as well. Hit me up on IG, hit me up wherever, and I'm sending you all the love and see you at the next Sync Gems episode. Peace. Peace.